Well, if you want to open up to Jude, right before Revelation, maybe you haven't heard a lot of sermons from Jude. I remember Brother Tim preached about false teachers one time from Jude. It was excellent. So the the context here is fighting for the faith, uh, protecting the gospel from false teachers and false doctrines. Uh, False teachers are described here in Jude, and examples are given of of people that are, are false teachers and false prophets from the Old Testament, and Jude tells us what's going to happen to these people, the condemnation. That is, that is coming for them, the judgment. But then there's a transition into verse 20, and we're going to focus on, on these last verses in Jude. Verse 20. Let's read these, these verses, starting with 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. I feel like that could conclude the sermon, but (laughs) let let me speak a few minutes here. The the title of this message could be. How to maintain our life with God. Or, keep yourselves in the love of God. So Jude is addressing the church here. He's speaking to us Christians. He says, but you beloved. That's who he's talking to, the beloved, his people. He tells us how to live as a Christian and to continue with God. Unlike who? All the people he was just talking about, all these apostates, all these false teachers, all these false prophets. That's why he's starting with, but you, beloved. God has better things for the church than for these people. And then Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, he gives instructions here to the church. I see six things here that I want to talk about. And we'll briefly look at each one, and along the way I'll try to make some applications. I think that you'll see that the focus of these instructions are in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. I think that's the focus of the passage of this part of, the, of, of Jude, and, and that's what I want to focus on. I want you to know that, that this message was developed out of a quiet time I had a few months back in Mexico, that, that this struck me in such a way that there was power for the rest of the day to, 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 to be in the love of God. And I've used it ever since to remind myself, Matt, keep yourself in the love of God. To, and I've reminded my family 
that, that particular day it started, I went out and I told Leanne, you know, we're commanded to keep ourselves in the love of God. And then I told the children. And then throughout the day, if, there's a, if there was trouble, if there was disagreements, fights, anything, I, re- I would remind them, keep yourself in the love of God. And it was so helpful to us that I thought, surely this could be helpful for the church. So let's look at the first part here. Verse 20, where he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. In other words, Jude is saying, Strengthen your walk with God by means of more faith in Christ. Strengthen your faith in Christ. And it sounds very man-centered, doesn't it? He says, Beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. And I thought, well, this, sound, this sounds kind of like an Arminian verse. <laughs> it's kind of a funny, thing, funny thought to have. But, but it, he's focusing on man's responsibility. Our responsibility to build ourselves up. In what way? In our, in our holy faith. Can someone else do that for you? Can you increase my faith? Or can I live a Christian life based on someone else's faith? No, it must be mine. It must be yours. Your own faith in Christ. Some people try to live on other people's faith, don't they? We see this very often with our children. Oh, my parents are Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. Maybe, maybe you're homeschooled. Maybe you've been in the church your whole life. But is it your faith? We need to build ourselves up on our own faith. And we see it frequently in evangelism. It's very common for someone to point out, well, my uncle's a pastor. Or, yeah, my grandfather was in the ministry. As if they're trying to connect with me based on someone else's faith. But we need to build ourselves up on our own most holy faith. And to do this, we must encourage ourselves daily. It's not easy to build yourself up. To build something takes work. But we must continually progress. And one way we can build ourselves up is is through the reading of the scriptures. Meditating on the scriptures. Daily getting into the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so, if you want to build yourself up, we've got to be in this book. We've got to be reading. And and secondly, the scripture says that we shouldn't eat bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And to drink the pure milk of the word and to grow by it. And so these are reasons to be in the Word of God as much as we can. Thus, Bible reading is a means of keeping yourself in the love of God. You'll see as this this passage sort of flows towards this theme of keeping yourself in the love of God. The Bible alone is our source of truth. 
Only the Bible can produce faith, whether it's a spoken word or whether we're physically reading it from the Bible or even a track or some other means of getting the Bible to someone. The Lord saved me through his word. I didn't, didn't know any Christians. I was a, a religious Catholic, but, but just a, living a life of sin. And then I started reading the Bible and everything changed. The Lord saved me reading the Gospels in college. A Gideon had given me a, a little pocket Bible and it sat in my room somewhere for months then my girlfriend started reading the Bible. Leanne at the time was my girlfriend, and 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 so I and I thought she was was becoming a little fanatical. I thought maybe or maybe she's getting depressed or like couldn't quite figure out what was wrong with her. But I I thought maybe it's the Bible, and so I started reading that little Bible, and and the Lord saved me through His Word. So the, the Lord can save anyone, and He always does it. Through his word in some way. And if you're like me, you don't have time to read a lot of other books. I, I walk around the lighter's house and there's books everywhere. And, and, and I'm thinking, wow, it would be great to, to read these books. But when you have seven children and <laughs> trying to learn a foreign language and traveling, it's, like, it's not possible. But if we can get into this book, the Bible... That's what's important. We don't need to, to, to focus on the great confessions and the great works of, of years past. These things are good and helpful, but what we really need is the Bible. And the church in Mexico has had difficulties because they're, they're building the church up on a confession of faith, some of them, instead of on the Bible. And so they get into, into traditions and laws and rules and 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 structure and membership and all these things that are distractions instead of just seeing what the Bible says about something. So I want to encourage you to, to press on in the Bible. The Bible is all we need for life and for godliness. We need to lean on God's promises and we need to depend on his word to, to call out to God and, and, and remind Remind him what he wrote here, and you promised this, Lord, and, and to pray that way. So a question is, do you have enough time, do you make the time to read the Bible? And are you, when you wake up in the morning, are you thinking about getting into the Bible, or are you distracted by other things? Are you reading enough of God's Word? And then some a temptation for me is to read God's word, and then it's gone. But are we meditating on what we're reading? Sometimes I have a Bible plan. I'm trying to get through the Bible in a year or twice in a year or something, and I'm checking my boxes. I've read the Bible. Yep, I'm feeling very good about this. But am I applying this to my life? It would be more profitable to read one verse and meditate on it throughout the day than it would to read six chapters and and flow through. So I say this to myself too. Another way to build yourself up in your most holy faith in order to keep yourself in the love of God is to live by faith, to put God to the test in different areas. It could be finances, to give sacrificially, to give 
to give beyond what other people might think is, is reasonable or to, to, to pray for discernment about giving rather than solely basing it on what's in the bank at that time. As a church, you can think about that as, as the new year comes, maybe you'll have business meetings and such to ask God what to do rather than base it on the, the physical things that we're looking at, like, like the checkbook. But another area to, to live by faith, to stretch yourself to live by faith is, is regarding evangelistic opportunities. To, to go beyond what you're comfortable doing, to live by faith. Maybe you don't feel gifted to go out and evangelize on the street at the, in the college or to, to go up and talk to that co-worker. But you can live by faith knowing that there's a great commission, that you're part of God's church and he's commanding you to go into all the world to preach the gospel. Now there's, there's many times where we're hindered because of fear. And I realize this could be a separate message altogether, but I want to talk about this for a moment that sometimes we don't live by faith, especially regarding evangelism because of fear and we miss opportunities. And that's happened to me before, not talk to someone out of fear. And who knows what would have happened had I done it. But other times where I pressed through the fear, shared the gospel, or went to that place that seemed impossible to go to as a Christian, and the Lord blessed it. For example, just a few years ago, uh, ISIS in Iraq started taking over vast territories and, and becoming really powerful. And so as a family, we prayed, and, and I think Leanne specifically prayed, I think it was her, if there's anything that we can do, Lord, would you show us? And then right after that, Dan Sem said, I'm going to Iraq. And so, and, and, and we prayed, and we prayed, and prayed, and I was fearful, and, and I told Dan, I'll go with you. And so with, there, was, there were many people telling me, no, that's crazy. You, you'd throw your life away to go to Iraq in the middle of a, of a war or whatever you call this business that's happening over there with ISIS. Um, but we pressed through it. The team from San Antonio and, and the other churches pressed through those fears and, and went to this place called Erbil, which was the only, only city that ISIS hadn't taken over in northern Iraq. And, and I'd read in Psalm, I think, 68, who will bring me into that strong city? And I thought, that's Erbil, the strong city that ISIS can't take. Who will go? And, and so there were countless other verses that helped. But, but we went, and we had decided initially to stay in Erbil. That's the safe area. But then we were asked to, to go to this place three hours outside of Erbil um, in order to, to help a pastor there. And so the team went. And, and in that place, directly next to a mosque, we gave out at least 600, 700, 800, I don't know, Bibles. And with Bibles and blankets. 
and a brother preached the gospel there to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Muslims as they lined up to get their blankets. And, and that's the kind of opportunity we can miss if we're fearful. So we need to live by faith. We need to build up our faith. And one way to do that of course, is reading the scriptures. Another is through experience. What, what will we do in faith for the Lord? And to go beyond what we're comfortable doing. So the first instruction here is to build yourself up in your most holy faith. Secondly, praying in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? I don't fully know, but... I know that sometimes we connect with God in prayer in such a way that we know the Holy Spirit really helped us. And it's a special time, and we should be seeking to be praying in the Holy Spirit all the time, to be praying under His guidance and influence, according to His Word, fervently, with faith, not doubting, and persevering, not giving up. So I believe that is to be praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and prayer seems to be here a means of keeping in the love of God. We get to know God more through prayer. We do his work through prayer. And so let me ask you the question, is prayer important to you? When I was a young Christian, I, I believe I was very imbalanced. I was very focused on the Word of God because He saved me through the Word of God. And I was constantly in that little Bible in between classes and maybe even walking and reading and while I'm eating and just in the Word a lot. But I wasn't in prayer a lot. Of course, I prayed, but not nearly as much as the Scripture. And so I was really helped by the message that Brother Charles gave a few weeks ago. I listened to it um, after the fact, but in San Antonio, but he spoke on two reasons for spiritual error, uh, lacking, um, lacking in, in, in the knowledge of God or, or, or not considering the power of God. And, and uh, for a long time, I lived my Christian life and walked in a way that was imbalanced, being more concerned of knowledge than I was with experiencing God in prayer. So I don't want you to make the same mistake. That we need to build up our faith, our holy faith through the scriptures, and also, also be praying in the Holy Spirit. And, and these two points lead to the focus of our passage, keep yourselves in the love of God. If you look at, at the wording, how this was translated, Jude says, building yourselves up. And then he says, praying in the Spirit. And then he says, keep. He's not saying keeping, but keep yourselves in the love of God. Therefore, I, it, it seems to me that the building and the praying leads to a continual keeping in God's love. It seems to me that these other things, the 
the, the building yourselves up in faith and the praying, these other things, are means of keeping you in the love of God. So this is every Christian's goal, to keep ourselves in God's love. If we didn't have God's love, then we wouldn't be his children. Remaining in his love, therefore, is, is, is our priority. That's how we persevere. This is how we continue on. This is how we get to heaven because of, of God's great love for us. And if you're growing in faith, and if your prayer life is getting better and better, and you're continuing on, then you will grow in your love for God and keep yourself in his love. I wonder, before now, before hearing a message on this passage, did you realize, that, did you realize it's your responsibility to keep yourself in the love of God? It was a surprise for me, maybe for a few of you as well. But knowing that it's our responsibility to keep ourselves in God's love is quite motivating to help us to do that. It's very easy to neglect our responsibility and focus on the sovereign care of our God and God's sovereignty to keep us in his love. It's very easy to focus on on this but not to think about our responsibility. The same thing happens uh, in evangelism, it's very easy to, to realize from the scripture that there's an elect group out there and they will come to faith and they'll be saved. But we need to focus on the fact that it's that sinner's responsibility, our responsibility too, to believe in Christ as our Savior and to repent of our sins. So it's our responsibility to keep ourselves in God's love, even though ultimately God is the one that's doing it, but he's doing it through a means. As you can see here um, in, in Jude verse 1, Jude says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ. You can see it's God's sovereign work to call us and to sanctify us and preserve us. Yet he's telling us later to keep yourselves in the love of God. Then at the end he says, Now to him, that's God, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, he's focusing on the sovereignty of God here. God is able to keep us from stumbling. He can keep you from stumbling. And he's able to present you perfect in heaven one day, glorified with our Lord Jesus Christ. But he still says to keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, where else in the scripture does it say something like this? Is, is, is it only in Jude? No, certainly not. It, I think you don't have to turn to all these passages, but let me, let me mention a few places that came to mind. God commands us to continue in his love several times, and he leads us to persevere, doesn't he? He, he gives us the means to persevere in the faith. One is 2 Peter chapter 1, 5 through 8. Peter says, add to your faith. Have you ever considered that verse? 
add to your faith? What, what did he say to add? Virtue and knowledge and patience and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. So the result of that is, is in that last verse, verse 8. If these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we're told by Peter to add to our faith. We're told to do something to, to uh, stay connected with God and to live for him. Then Paul, uh, sorry, Peter says, make your call and election sure. This is 2 Peter 1.10. Make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So there's something that you need to do in order to not stumble. We're told to examine ourselves and, and to walk with him. Also, Jesus himself said, abide in me. John 15, 4, abide in me. And then John 15, 9, abide in my love. Now, isn't that the same thing that, that Jude said? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Jesus says, abide in my love. It's the same command. Abide in him, it says in 1 John 2, 28. We're told to abide or remain or to keep in God's love. And then Paul says in Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Something we need to do here. Our responsibility to keep our minds connected with God on, on this mission that he has for us. To walk with him and to finish well. For, for Paul also says, fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life. He's focusing on man's responsibility to grab onto eternal life and to fight all the way there. So fight, don't just lay back and rely on the sovereign care of God, but, but to press into salvation. And then Jesus says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Matthew ten twenty two. So the scripture through John and Peter and Paul and Jude and Jesus Christ himself tells us our responsibility to abide in the love of God and to keep ourselves in his love. So now we're ready to, to look at the, the, the next part of, of this string of, of instructions regarding staying in God's love. It says here, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So he's going back to the, the, the present action of looking. So I see this as another means of staying in the love of, of God. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You have eternal life, brethren. If you continue to come to, to the Father through the mercy that he offers through Jesus Christ. Keeping your eyes on him. It could also be translated as waiting. Waiting for the mercy. And that seems more consistent with the Greek word here. So when we're waiting for something, your mind is on that thing. You're focused on it. 
if you're waiting for your spouse to get home, you're not going to forget to prepare things for your spouse. You're not going to forget to greet them. You're waiting, and we're waiting for, for the mercy that's to come to us through Jesus Christ. We're waiting for his return. We're looking to the sky for his return, looking and waiting for him. If we don't look for Christ's mercy, we can't be saved. Just like the Jews in Numbers 21, you remember they were being bitten by fiery serpents. And the means of, of healing, of salvation for them, of not perishing, was to look at the bronze serpent that God told Moses to make. And all they had to do was look to that bronze serpent, and they were healed and saved from that plague. And, this, and Jesus says it's the same for him in John chapter 3, to look to him to be saved, the one that's lifted up. And, he, and Christ was lifted up before us 2,000 years ago on the cross. We're to be looking to him on that cross for mercy, for, that, for the salvation that's promised to us. We, we hear it often, but remember the great faith of Peter to walk on water. And then what did he do? He looked down at, at his circumstances, at the waves below him, and he got afraid. And then he began to sink. And so he took his eyes off Christ. He wasn't, at that moment, wasn't looking to Christ. And so we need to continue looking to Jesus, which is a means in this passage of keeping ourselves in the love of God. Then the next two verses are connected with an and in my translation. It says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. Now, your Bible might translate it a little differently. There's, there's, uh, there's some confusion related to the original language here. Um, some, some Bibles say, and have mercy on those who doubt, or, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. The Greek here is, I guess, hard, but in either, with either translation, my point is going to be the same. It seems here that we're talking about the church, people that are saved, have compassion on them, have mercy on them. And so I want to talk a few moments about mercy within the church as a means to keeping yourselves in the love of God. You see this group in verse 22. We need to have mercy on them. They seem to be saved because in verse 23, it says, but others save with fear. So the, the people in 22 evidently don't need to be saved. That's my conclusion. And then my translation says, making a distinction. What's the distinction? Well, between God's people and the people that are still lost. And so, I can't be absolute about this, but it seems like he's talking about God's people having compassion on them, um, having mercy on those who doubt. Doesn't it happen that true believers sometimes have doubts? Oftentimes, it's, it's directly from the enemy. Other times, it's because of, of, of sin that, that that Christian is in, and then the the it's like it opens the door for the doubts of the enemy to come in. But it's our job as a church to have compassion on them, 
For one, we could fall into the same sin and probably have before. But also, we love them and Christ laid down his life for them. And so it's our job to encourage the church to build them up that that they might be built up on their most holy faith and not be allowed to continue in the in the swamp of despondence like in Pilgrim's <laughs> Progress. You can be that person called help that pulls out a brother when they're struggling in doubts. So and some have compassion making a distinction or and have mercy on those who doubt. What about those that don't line up with us theologically? that there's, there's some type of disagreement that you have with, with, with that brother. Can we still have mercy on them and have compassion on them and encourage them? Certainly. This is something that was very relevant in our time in Mexico because the, there's, you probably know, but there's a lot of divisions down there. The churches are, are severely divided. And the church that we went down to help broke away from us, and, and now it's just uh, one family and one single brother who wants to continue with, with Grace Community Church. They, they invited Grace Community Church to come down. Our family was sent as representatives of Grace Community Church, and then for theological differences, they broke away. And it has everything to do with the law. As I mentioned before, that, that the, a lot of the churches down there are very law-minded, rule-minded, confession-minded. They're, they're wanting to establish the church based on a, a great confession of faith from hundreds of years ago rather than just on the scriptures. And so it was, it's been important to us to keep ourselves in the love of God by having compassion on these people who, who are having all these doubts, who are, who are being very unkind and actually broke away from us and won't fellowship with us anymore. Um, so this has been a really helpful passage for us. But within this church, too, there's disagreements, I'm sure. There's things that, that you see differently than others from the scriptures. And, and, and you have liberty to disagree on, on secondary issues. And, and my encouragement is not to let these things divide the church here in Kirksville. But but to have, have mercy on each other, to love one another as we ought to. Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do to me. Matthew 25, 40 and 45. Jesus also said, in how you measure, it will be measured back to you. So it's very important for us to have compassion and mercy on people within the church. Save people within the church. We're called to love the church even more than others because this shows the world that we're in Christ, that we're a different person, that God has given us a new heart. So love the brethren, be gentle with each other, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Don't bite and devour each other like, like the Corinthians were doing. You, you know that this is why they were called carnal not because they didn't have great gifts or because they lacked in any knowledge, but because of their, the way they treated each other. So keep yourselves in the love of God as you, as you love each other and have compassion on each other. Even on the, the little children here. 
Probably a child is more prone to doubts than anyone else. But also they're, they're, they're very faithful in, in many ways too. Christ told us to be like little children. And so I just encourage you, as I have to encourage myself daily, to talk to the little children as you would the pastors of the church. To, If I wouldn't say it to Tim Conway, why should I say it to my children? So we need to encourage ourselves to be compassionate to, to each, each, each member of the body, no matter how weak or how small. So we're talking about maintaining our life with God, keeping in God's love, building ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear. Now all the translations are clear about this, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And this is our last point. As you know, I think this passage all, can, all is, is, is uh, surrounding the main point, which is keep yourselves in love with God. All these other things are means of keeping yourself in God's love. And so one, one means of keeping yourself in the love of God is evangelism, of, of giving the message of salvation to others, pulling them out of the flames, brethren, if we, if we could realize the judgment that's coming for these that don't believe, that through the preaching of the gospel, we're actually pulling them out of hell. It's very helpful. And you might notice when you evangelize, you don't come back exhausted, thinking, well, maybe physically, but not spiritually. You don't come back... Uh, discouraged, even though you might have had 30 different people reject the gospel and 100 people reject a track, you feel encouraged because you're doing God's work. And so this evangelism is a means of keeping yourself in the love of God because success is not based on whether people are getting saved, but whether or not you were able to work through any hindrances and go out there and be obedient to the Lord for his glory, leaving the results completely up to him. So you are the means of salvation for many here in Kirksville and hopefully beyond. Many people are on the edge of, of a cliff. They're walking towards the edge about to fall off. And, and you can be there, whether with a sign or with your own voice or by giving them something. You can, pre- you can prevent that. You can be the means to turn them around and into safety. So perhaps God is putting someone on your mind that you could reach with the gospel or a certain place around here that, that you, you've been burdened to share the truth with the people that are there. We must evangelize and to do so with fear. Fear comes natural to us. We're afraid of what people think about us. 
I don't want someone saying, oh, that guy's a fanatic, or I don't want people to dislike me because I'm trying to evangelize. It's, it's very awkward when the cashier is saying, oh, is it going to be cash or credit? And you want to ask, ask them if they've ever repented and believed in Christ. <laughs> very awkward. But, but we need to work through that kind of fear. And we need to have another kind of fear. Fear of falling into the same sin as them. Fear of being defiled, as it says here, by the garment, the, the clothes of these people. It's like they have a contagious disease on them, which is sin, to be defiled by these things. But pulling them out. being So it's like carefully pulling them out. It's like an EMT who's not afraid to put his hands into the blood in an accident, but he, he has the, the gloves on. <laughs> or a nurse. <laughs> so we're not afraid to get into people's messy lives full of sin, but we're doing it carefully lest we fall into it too. And this is a means of keeping ourselves in the love of God because if, if I guarantee and God guarantees that if you preach the gospel 20 times in a row, maybe in different ways to different people, you're preaching the gospel to you as well, and you're going to be encouraged. And you'll keep yourself in the love of God. And this is the means of others being saved, being pulled out of the fire. So God has ordained in his salvation plan that there would be certain means of keeping yourself in the love of God. So in conclusion, gaining faith by God's word, the Bible, is a means to keep you in the love of God. Living by faith, praying is a means, a big means. Looking to Christ for mercy at all times. Helping the brethren who need compassion. It's going to be encouraging to your own faith and it's going to build you up and you'll keep in his love as you help the brethren. Which includes having fellowship, good fellowship with each other. Evangelism is a means of keeping you in the love of God. So I I hope that you're encouraged about your responsibility and that this will help you to to love God better and to love his people better. It seems strange to me that to preach this kind of message to a congregation that understands the law of Christ very well to to love God and to love his people, but we constantly need to encourage ourselves in this. So God will ultimately keep his people in his hand to preserve them, as we saw in Jude 1 and 24. But we see our responsibility in verse 21. This is the human perspective that we must keep ourselves in love of God. And you can do this, brethren. He's given you all the means. It is God's will. Your sanctification is God's will. So be encouraged. So the last verse I want to share with you is 1 Timothy 4.16. Paul here is, is giving you this same message, this same teaching to keep yourself in the love of God. He says in 1 Timothy 4.16, 
Take heed of yourself. Take heed of yourself. This is your life and all the choices that you make. Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. Well, brethren, may God help us to abide in his love now and always. Amen.